Good morning, church. Good morning. Hope you're doing good. I'm excited about today. Looking forward to sharing the word with you um, in just a minute. But before we do that, I got a couple of things I want to mention to you. Uh, number one is this next week is Easter, as we know. And so next week, we're going to have three services. We're going to have a service at 9 o'clock, a service at 11 o'clock, and a service at 6 o'clock. Now, history tells us that both the 9 and 11 are going to be really full, and we're thankful for that. But what I would say is you might want to check out the 6 o'clock service um, if you don't want to get in the crowd and into the traffic and that kind of thing. Um, There will be a 6 o'clock that you're welcome to come to. We'd love to have you. This is what I believe. I believe God's going to move at all of them. So just make sure you're at one and you bring somebody with you because I believe it's going to be incredible. I believe God's going to do some awesome things. And so um, just want to mention that to you. The second thing I want to mention to you is we've got a few guests here with us today. Um, we've got the William James Middle School baseball team. Some of them are represented here today. And I want to tell you, I get a chance to coach these young men um, as, as one of their coaches. And they have a real special place in my heart. Um, they're, they're very, uh, they mean a lot to me. And I uh, know to these other coaches. And, and we actually are going to have the opportunity on Tuesday and possibly Wednesday, if, if need be, to play for a region championship um, coming up this next week. And so if you will keep them in your prayers and pray for victory, maybe we can outpray the other team and, uh, and, and we'll get a victory. But, uh, but we're looking forward to that. And these guys are special to us. I wanted them to come together as a team today. And Uh, just be in church together. So that's awesome for me to see and really appreciate that. Um, All right, today we're continuing our series called Thy Kingdom Come. And we're looking at the sayings that Jesus made about the kingdom, um, different sayings that he had or parables that he told that teach us what the kingdom of God is like. And today we're going to be back in Matthew chapter 13. We're going to be looking at verses 31 through 33. And so if you have your Bibles, you can turn there. If you don't, it'll be on the screen. And you can follow along. If you don't have a Bible, we'd love to give you one. And we'd do that at our next steps table in the cafe. If you'd stop by there, we'd be glad to give you a Bible. But here's what the word says. Let's read this and then we'll pray. Uh, Matthew 13, verse 31 through 33. It says, He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his field. Though it is the smallest of all seeds, yet when it grows, it is the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds come and perch in its branches. He told them still another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into about 60 pounds of flour until it worked all through the dough. Well, let's pray. God, thank you for your word. Thank you, God, for your spirit that teaches us. God, I pray that right now you would come and have your way in our hearts. God, I pray that this word would find good soil in our hearts to produce fruit in our lives. Holy Spirit, come and do a great work in us. God, thank you that you are present with us, that you are faithful to be where two or three are gathered in your name. And God, I thank you for that. And I thank you for the work you're going to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, I was thinking about the the main point today, and I was thinking, trying to think of a way to help me be able to demonstrate it to you, something that you could see, that you remember. I know a lot of you are uh, visual learners. And so I wanted to do something to help you see it so that you'd remember it. And so what I did was I brought along um, a pair of pants. Now these are a pair of jeans that my boys wore when they were little, right? Um, I, most, all three of them have worn this pair of jeans as they grew up. Um, so this is a, a pair of jeans from when my son, uh, especially my oldest son, was a baby, right? 
And so you, you can see this, and I'm probably embarrassing him, but it'll make the point. Um, but here's, his, here's some, a pair of jeans that he wore. Now, these are small, and you look at them, and they're so cute, and yours, the women are like, oh, look at the baby pants, and they get all excited about that. But then I, I brought these also because now they're growing up, right? And this is one of their pair of jeans. And so they're getting big, and they're growing, and they're changing. And so the point I want to make and the point that I want you to remember from this is that growth equals change. When something grows, it changes. There's nothing that grows that doesn't change. If we watch a child grow up, they change. If we watch a church grow, it changes over time. It changes. It looks different. It, it gets bigger. It grows. People get it grow deeper with God, different things. They, growth equals change. And so I want you to remember that throughout this message, that growth equals change. When you look at the parable of the mustard seed and you look at the parable of the yeast, the thing I want you to see in this is that the mustard seed, as it says, the man planted this seed, the smallest of all seeds, but it grows into a tree so that the birds come and perch in its branches. And so what he's talking about with the mustard seed is he's talking about this extensive growth, this growth that's going to take place, this growth that is going to explode. He's saying, look, the kingdom may be small now, but it's going to grow. It's going to grow. When you look at the parable of the yeast, what he's saying is this. He's saying that just a little bit of this yeast is going to work its way through this dough, 60 pounds of dough. That's a big loaf of bread, right? And so it's going to work its way through all of this dough, and it's going to change the entire loaf. And so what I want you to see out of these two parables is that the mustard seed is equal to growth, the kingdom growth, and then the yeast is equal to change, transformation, change that takes place. And I want you to be able to see that today, that the kingdom grows, and as it grows, it changes things. So here's a question I have for you. How many of you would say that there's some area of your life that you need God to do work in? There's an area of your life that you want God to work in. Good, more hands. We had like three hands at, uh, at 9 o'clock, so, um, but more hands in here this morning. And so here's the thing I want you to see today, and I want you to grab hold of, that if we need God to work in an area... God begins to work in that area as the kingdom begins to grow in that area. Think about the Lord's Prayer. When we pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Thy kingdom come, let your kingdom grow here on earth, and then your will be done. Transform it into your will. And so when you think about areas of your life that you need God to work in or you want God to work in, then here's the, the way that I see that happening. I see the kingdom growing into that area. I see the kingdom growing in you. Maybe it's your heart. Maybe it's an attitude. Maybe it's something to do with you personally. And the kingdom needs to grow in you. The Christ needs to grow in you. The Holy Spirit needs to grow in you. And the kingdom needs to overflow in you. Because whatever the kingdom touches, it transforms. Whatever the kingdom touches, it changes. And so as we grow in the kingdom, as Christ grows in us, as we grow in the spirit, the spirit works in our lives, change begins to take place. Maybe it's in your marriage that you need God to do a work um, and, and you want God to transform your marriage. Well, guess what? We need to see God's will be done in our marriage. Um, not something that we can manipulate and make happen, but something that when we do marriage God's way, when God's kingdom comes and it begins to grow in our marriage, then he touches our marriage and begins to transform our marriage into the way that, that it should be. 
And so I hope that's making sense to you. I hope you can see this, that growth equals change. When the kingdom begins to grow, things begin to change. Whatever the kingdom touches, it changes. Whatever the kingdom touches is transformed. And so uh, whether it's your job, whether it's an attitude, this is one thing I know is years ago when I worked in the roofing business, um, I know God can transform your workplace because he transformed the one that I was in. I had first gotten saved. This is years and years ago. I'd just gotten saved. And I walked through the doors of this business one morning. And in the lobby, God spoke to my heart. And I didn't hear like this audible voice, but it got impressioned on my heart that, and this is what he said. He said, I'm about to evangelize this entire place. And I was like, okay, God, I'll, I'll believe it, but that's going to be a big work because you don't know, I guess, well, you do know how far away from you this place is. And it's crazy to see, but God began one by one picking them off. You could see it happening one by one, employee by employee. God began to work and God is still working in that business today as it's a a place that honors Christ, a place that, that wants to do things for the glory of God. And people are coming to know him and people are living for him in that business. Listen, if the kingdom grows in us and it begins to touch people around us, it begins to transform the places that we go into, then it's, we're going to see Christ being exalted in those places. And, and it will transform that workplace. It will transform even the place that you're working in. And so I don't know if it's a marriage for you. I don't know if it's your heart I don't, that needs to be changed, um, your attitude that needs to be changed, whatever it might be. That, listen, that area that needs to change needs more of the kingdom. It needs more of Jesus. It needs more of the Holy Spirit working in it. And so we're going to see change happen as the kingdom grows. Now, if it's going to grow, here's one of the things that's important to remember. If it's going to grow... Then, then it's going to have to be because we're not, we're not discouraged by small beginnings. To say it this way, if we're going to grow, we're going to grow by embracing small beginnings. How many of you have ever had something in front of you that was so daunting? I don't know, it might be a paper for you in school. It could be something at your job, but it was so big, so daunting. Just, you just didn't even want to get started on it, right? You ever had anything like that in your life? I do that with our yard sometimes. I look at it and I'm just like, I don't even know where to start. And, and, and you know, but you got to start somewhere. And I want to encourage you today that one of the ways we're going to grow is when we don't despise small beginnings, when we're willing to embrace small beginnings. And, and I know this for me, like I'm kind of this way with the gym right now. I need to get back in the gym and get back to working out, get back to doing some cardio and all those good things that keep you healthy. But right now I feel like I've got so far to go that I'm like, I look at it and I'm like, I just don't want to do it, right? I don't even want to start it. I, I, I look over there where I need to be and I'm like, I don't want to go that way. I don't feel like going that way. That's a long way to go. I'm going to have to be sore. It's going to hurt for me to try to get there. And I've fallen so far from where I was that now I don't even want to start the journey. And so it keeps me from taking the first step. What I want to encourage you with this morning is that if we're going to see change in, in, in our lives, if we're going to see change in our marriage, if we're going to see change in our workplace, if we're going to see change, period, in anything in our life, the thing we're going to have to do is take the first step. It may seem daunting, it may seem overwhelming, but you don't have to look at the big picture of it all. You don't have to think about how big it is. All you gotta do is take the first step. 
You don't have to have enough faith to take 100 steps. All you've got to do is take the next step. And if you'll take that next step, God will honor that. God will be with you in that step and the next step and the next step and the next step. And pretty soon over time, as you've remained faithful over time, you can look back and see that you've covered so much ground. But we've got to take that first step. There's a man by the name of Zechariah. He was a prophet to um, Israel. And he specifically, he was a prophet sent to a man by the name of Zerubbabel. And in the book of Zechariah, it tells us a little bit about this. See, Zerubbabel was tasked with building the temple, rebuilding the temple of God. When it had been torn down during uh, a time of captivity for the Jews, it had been torn down. They go back and they begin to rebuild it. But Zerubbabel is in a place of frustration. He's in a place of discouragement. He's in a place where he's ready to tap out. He's ready to give in. And God sends a word through a prophet named Zechariah to encourage him to keep going. And this is what it says in Zechariah 4, verse 9. It says, this is Zechariah speaking the word of God to Zerubbabel. It says, the hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundation of this temple. His hands will also complete it. Then you will know that the Lord Almighty has sent me to you. The thing I want you to hear in that, I want to encourage you with today is it may seem small right now. It may be little right now. It may seem like a daunting task to get to where you're supposed to be or where you want it to be or where God wants it to be. But the reality of it is in God's hands, it can be completed. And what he's telling Zerubbabel is this. He's saying, look, the reality is you've only laid the foundation. There's a lot of work to be done, but he's promising him that if he will be faithful to the task, that the hands that started the project are going to see the completion, that they're going to lay the capstone, that it's going to be finished, that it's going to be done. And the thing I want to encourage you with today, if you're in a place of discouragement, is that God will finish what he started, but let's get it started. God will do his part. He's going to see it to completion. What he begins, he, he ends. He's the author and perfecter of our faith. He's the alpha and omega. He's the beginning and the end. What he starts, he's going to finish. He who began a good work in us will see it to completion. He's going to do his part to see that we get to the end. He's a good God who does that. It says in verse 10, who dares despise the day of small things, since the seven eyes of the Lord that range throughout the whole earth will rejoice when they see the chosen capstone in the hand of Zerubbabel. And so what he's saying in that is that he's not deterred by small beginnings. God doesn't look at our small beginning and go, oh my gosh, we'll never get there. God looks at the small beginning and he rejoices. And then he rejoices again when it's completed, when it's finished. But God doesn't look at our small beginnings. and He's not overwhelmed. And we don't need to be either. All we've got to do is take our next step, take the first step to get it going, and then take our next step. That's all there is that we have to do. That's our only responsibility is to be faithful to God. And if we'll do that, he's going to do his part. You see, God sent Zechariah to Zerubbabel with a word of encouragement. I believe today God wants me to encourage some of you that in your place of discouragement, just to keep going, just to keep stepping, just to keep walking. And even though it looks small right now in your hands, once you place it in the hand of God, he's gonna take it and multiply it and he's gonna use it to accomplish his glory and to do great things. And if we'll just give it to him, it may look small now, but wait until God's finished with it. Wait to see what God's going to do. That's pitiful. 
Wait to see what God's going to do. Don't be discouraged. Listen, if the distance is daunting and it looks so big, don't get discouraged. Here's the thing that, that, that I thought about this week is so many people walk in and out of the doors of our church now and, and they see everything. They see a stage. They see lights. They see people who are very gifted um, with a guitar and, and they can sing and they see great kids ministry, although I was a little alarmed to hear we had some technical difficulties today, but it's still a great kids ministry that takes place over there. God does incredible things through it and they see all this stuff and people just somehow a lot of people conclude, well, it must have always been like this. But the reality of it is it hasn't always been like this. It wasn't like this. We started with seven people in our first worship service in a pond house that, that would look like it had been last updated in 1970. It, was, it had the brown paneling on the walls and brown vinyl flooring that had been there, I know, longer than I'd been alive. And, and we went in there with a MacBook Pro and a playlist and a borrowed screen and projector. And seven people worshiped their hearts out that day, worshiped their hearts out that evening as we gathered together in this pond house. And I remember praying that day because I knew it wasn't gonna be six or seven or 800 people showing up for that worship service. And I remember praying that day and I said, God, if there's five or 500, give me the courage, give me the boldness to proclaim your word without fear. And let me just proclaim it clearly, God, whether there's five or 500. And you know, we had a service that night and we weren't deterred by having only seven people because this is what I know. When the spirit of God is in a place, people are going to come. We don't have to advertise. We don't have to do all this other stuff. When the spirit of God is working in the hearts of people, people know and people want it and people come. And then we saw God just adding to the number, taking this little small beginning and doing what we couldn't do, changing hearts and changing lives. And then it just kept growing and going and growing and going and it just kept going until we get to where we are today but God did that God took small beginnings and did an incredible work through it now I want to tell you look we take our first step and then we take our subsequent steps after that all of these other steps that God calls us to take as the kingdom grows in our life, as Christ grows in us, as the spirit grows in us and flows from us, we grow and we keep going. But I want you to see this, that the joy of it all is in the journey. The joy of it is in the journey together as we work and go and serve and do for God. And God grows us together. And the kingdom grows and the community changes. See, I believe God wants to change this community through Connection Church, through other churches. God wants to change this community. But what's got to happen is the kingdom's got to grow. The kingdom's got to get bigger. The kingdom's got to enlarge. Because what I know is what the kingdom touches, it transforms. And so we got to keep going. I remember when my, my, my kids were little and they were babies, and I remember when they would take their first step, and I remember one time I was home by myself with one of my sons, and, and, and I was putting him over, you know, a little ways away from me. I got down on the floor, and I said, you know how we do with babies, and, 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 and trying to get him to come to me and walk, and they kind of stood there, and he was doing like this, and then I had it on video, and, and, and he finally took that step, right? And I was like, ah, ah. we were so excited. And, and I sent it to Susan, and I was like, ha, ha you weren't there, right? <laughs> and, and I got to see it. 
and he's took his first step. And, and here's the thing. I don't walk around with my children now that are 14, 10, and 6 and go, give them with me, give them with me. You know, I don't do that. I don't video every step that they take. I don't do that. I don't go crazy over every step that they take now. But the thing I can tell you is I'm just as proud of them and the steps they're taking in their lives as they're growing into the people that they're becoming, the young men after God's heart, as, as I was when they took that first step. And God's the same way with you. As you take those steps, God's going to walk with you. He, he's going, that's my son. That's my daughter with whom I'm well pleased. Look at him following me. That's so awesome. And, and there's, there's pleasure in God's heart when we're obedient to him. And so I want you to see that, 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 that you can rejoice in the process. You can rejoice in the, the work that God's doing in your heart and in your life. And you need to realize you're not a project, but you're in a process. And, and the joy is in the process of coming alongside God and doing his work and seeing him, you're, you're, you grow and seeing the kingdom grow. And that's where the joy is found. But one of the dangers is not beginning because we despise small beginnings. That's one of the dangers. So I'm encouraging you today, whatever it is that you're looking at that God needs to work in, take a step towards him. Enlarge the kingdom. Who is it that God's calling you to share your, your heart with about God, about Jesus? Do it. Take a step. Grow the kingdom. Who is he calling you to serve? Go serve him. Grow the kingdom. Who's he calling you to walk alongside? Walk alongside him. Grow the kingdom. But don't despise small beginnings. Realize that God's got to start somewhere. It's all got to start somewhere. It's got to start with, with one day without fighting. It's got to start with one day of sobriety. It's got to start with victory over an addiction one day at a time. It's got to start one day at a time, one minute at a time. Just take that first step and keep walking. One step at a time, and God's going to meet you in that place. So we're going to grow by embracing small beginnings. We're also going to grow by knowing that God's not finished, that God's not finished. So many people don't take the first step, and they, don't, they, they look at it, and it's too daunting. It's too big. There's no way this can work, and so we don't take the first step. Others get into the journey, and they stop, much like Zerubbabel did. He had laid the foundation, got discouraged, and quit. And so many of us in here today are in that boat where, where we started out pretty well, but we got to a place where we got discouraged and we got down and we decided it wasn't worth it anymore. And so we quit going, we quit pursuing, we quit thinking that God can change this area of my life. God can change this community. God can take care of this problem. God can heal this soul. God can do what God wants to do. And we quit believing that God can do and will do these amazing things. And today I want to encourage you not to think that God is finished. God's got more work he wants to do. I mean, don't buy that lie that God doesn't have anything else to do in your life. I want you to understand the kingdom is still growing. We're still changing. People in the community are growing. They're changing. We're going to see the kingdom do a great work here. Listen, I know this. I know God's not finished with me. I know this. God's not finished with you. I know this. God's not finished with this church. I know God's not finished with me because, listen, God's been doing a work in my soul that has been, uh, it may be the only time in my life I've seen God and felt God working this way. 
Because I, 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 many of you know the, the health trouble that I've had just with the fatigue and with feeling bad. And, and I'm telling you, I can't even describe how bad it's been. Uh, for the last four years, it felt like I was pulling a sled up a hill. Instead of riding the sled, I was pulling it up a hill on my back. And it felt so, so overwhelming and so daunting and so heavy. And, and it's gone on for three or four years. And, but this is the thing I'll tell you. And I know it's only been two weeks, but I'm still telling you because I know I've turned a corner in this, that I've felt better the last two weeks than I have in the last four years. And this is what I'm telling you guys, is it's different. I can't tell you exactly why or how. I just know that it's different. It's just lighter. There's no heaviness. A lot of it's due to your prayers, and I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for the people who've been praying for me because God is faithful, and I know that God is healing me. He's refreshing my soul. He's given me strength. It reminds me of, of the story of Elijah, the prophet, another prophet to Israel, to the Jewish people. Elijah defeated these prophets of Baal, who was a false god. He defeated 400 of them by himself. And then he goes and he runs into one woman named Jezebel. Many of you have heard of Jezebel. Uh, one woman. She was so scary, he ran away. We ran miles and miles away from her. I don't believe that it was because she was that scary. I believe it was because he was burned out, he was tired, and, and Satan was on his back. I believe he couldn't go anymore. And so he goes and he finds a cave that's miles and miles and miles away from Jezebel. And in that cave, God comes to him. And God... God comes to him and he doesn't come with him and he doesn't come to him and say, you lazy servant, what are you doing? You call yourself a prophet? He didn't do any of that. What he did was he came and he gave him food and he gave him rest. In other words, he gave him the provision he needed so that he could continue to run. And what I know in my heart is that God is telling me is that it's time to run again. And here's my hope. I hope that you can see that God's not finished with you because I want you to run too. I want us to go and get after God together. I want us to go and get after this community together because something's changed, something's shifted. God's doing something. I don't know what it is. I don't know what it's going to look like, but I'm telling you, God is doing something. God is doing something. I know that God's not done with you, he's not done with me. If we've got breath in our body, he still has a purpose for our life. Amen. And so when we, we look at that, we see that God's not done with this church because the church isn't this building. The church is us. Wherever we go, that's the church. And so we need to see that God's not done with this church. And here's the crazy thing. This is what I believe is going to happen. I believe this church is going to continue to grow. But, but this is also what's going to happen. The things that it touches, the things that the kingdom touches, it's going to transform. It's going to change. So I believe this. We're going to continue to see lives transformed and changed. We're going to continue to see people who overcome things in their lives that they've never been able to overcome. We're going to see marriages being put back together. We're going to see 
a community being transformed. This is what I believe in my heart is going to happen, is we're going to see these things. Now, here's the crazy thing. On paper, I don't know how that's going to work because we've got a kid's area that's busting at the seams. We've got 11 o'clock service that's pretty doggone full every week, right? And 11 o'clock is the optimal time to invite people to church for people who are unchurched to come and check out the church. But here's the thing I do know. I might not know exactly how it's going to work and what it's going to look like right now, but nothing comes as a surprise to God. God knows what it looks like. He's already seen it. He's going to download it into our hearts, and we're going to continue to reach people in this community. Amen. Amen myself on that one. But I know, I know that God's not finished. God has a race for us to run. He, he, he wants us to, to go for the prize that he set before us. In, in, in other words, we're going to grow. If we're going to grow, one, we've we got to grow embracing small beginnings. Two, we've got to grow knowing that God's not finished. Three, we've got to grow by focusing on the right prize. Because here's what I know. You're going to run in a race. You're going to run towards whatever you're looking at, Right? You're going to run towards whatever you're looking at. The problem for us as Christians is many times we take our eyes off of the real prize, which is Jesus. We take our eyes off of him and we begin to run in a different way, maybe even in an entirely different lane. And, and, and I, I was thinking about it this week and I was thinking about how when I drive down the road, I'm a redneck. So I like to look for deer and turkeys and stuff like that out in the fields. And so I'll be riding going 55, 65, maybe in a 55 and, and I'm looking out in the fields for, for turkey and for, for deer and for other whatever might be out there, Sasquatch. I don't know what might be out there, but I'm looking. And I notice if I'm looking to my left, I'll start drifting to the left in my, my truck. If I'm looking to the right, I notice I start drifting to the right in my truck because whatever I'm looking at is what I'm going to ultimately go towards, right? I, I learned this on a treadmill when I used to run on a treadmill. Um, I, I learned this, that, that I could be running and doing okay, but if something caught my attention out of the right side of my, my eyes and, and I looked over there, then pretty soon I start running over that way, right? And I start leaning that way and then my foot hits the side of the treadmill and it goes like that and if I'm looking to the left I'm running this is about how fast I do run and I'm running and, and I'm looking to the left and all of a sudden right because the thing that happens is I always go I'm going to drift to whatever I'm looking at whatever I'm looking at is what I'm going to run to and so I want you to be able to see that and think about where are my eyes fixed Hebrews chapter 12 talks about this race that we're to run. It says, therefore, Hebrews chapter 12, verses one through three, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you might not grow weary and lose heart. And so when we look at this, we're looking at God and telling us how to run this race. And the first thing I want you to see is he says we're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. Now, that's not talking about people who are sitting in heaven watching us. 
That's not what it's talking about. Not people who are witnessing what we're doing. No, it's talking about the people in Hebrews chapter 11, the great saints of the Old Testament that did incredible things through faith. Abraham, Moses, people like that that did incredible things through faith. And he's talking about them because what they become is a witness to us of the power of God. And so the first thing we've got to do is we can't run looking at our weaknesses. We've got to run looking at God's strengths. We've got to run knowing that God has the strength to bring me through what I'm going to go through. He's got the strength to do in me what he needs to do so he can do through me all that he desires. And so he calls us to run that way. He calls us to pursue the prize of running in God's strength. And over in Isaiah, this one won't be on the screen, I don't think. But, but over in the book of Isaiah, this is what it tells us. It says in verse chapter 40, verses 29 and 31, he says, He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. And here's what I want you to take out of that, is that if we will wait on the Lord... If we will run in the strength of God, then God's going to give us enough strength to get through what we're going through. He's going to get us to the other side. We can run the race that he's laid out for us. He's not going to put more on us than he can handle. You might not be able to handle it, but he can. And so we keep running in the strength of God, but not in our own strength. You can't run looking at your weakness. You got to run looking at his strength. As I've walked through all of this stuff over the last three or four years with my health, the thing that that kept me going was knowing that one, God is good. Two, that God was in control. Three, that God is faithful to do everything that he's promised he's going to do. And because I knew that, it gave me the courage and strength to take one more step every day, to take one more step just to get through that day, just to get through it, just to get through it. And and here's the thing I would say is that I look back on it. It hasn't been pleasant, but the reality of it is God was with me through the whole thing, even to use me during the whole ordeal. When I didn't even feel like being used many times, God was still faithful to do what he wanted to do because he's faithful when we trust in his strength. If you will yield ourselves to his strength. It also says in here, let us throw off everything that hinders. See, you can't run looking back at where you've been or the growth gets stunted. If you're looking back at your past mistakes, if you're looking back in condemnation, if you're looking back at past failures, then, then the thing is, you can't run that way. You can't run looking backwards just like you can't run looking left or right and stay in, in the right lane. And so I want you to see that. You can't run looking at past mistakes and failures. So many people I see today, even my own children at times, I see this and I try to correct it because it's a terrible way to live life. But so many people live afraid to fail. And it keeps us from doing the things that God's called us to do. Here's where I try to live. I would rather try and fail than not try at all. Just give it a shot and see what happens. If it don't work, let's pick ourselves up and keep going. But don't live your life being afraid to fail because you failed in the past. Don't live your life in condemnation because you made a mistake in the past. You can't run looking at your mistakes. Jesus took care of those on the cross. What we do is we turn from those mistakes and we turn to him and he makes us white as snow. He cleanses our sin. He makes us pure again. And he changes our heart. It says... 
and the sin that so easily entangles. So you can't run looking at sin to satisfy you either. You got to realize that that sin's been nailed to the cross and no longer live for that, but live for Christ. Then it says, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus. Fixing our eyes on Jesus. You can't run looking at the world. You can't run looking down at what's going on in the world. You've got to run with your eyes fixed on him. You've got to run following him or you'll grow in the wrong direction. You've got to look up above the circumstances. You've got to look up above the situation to Jesus. It's like when Peter got out of the boat and he was walking on the water. He was doing great when his eyes were up and they were looking at Jesus. But when his eyes came down and he began to look at the wind and he began to look at the waves, it's when he began to sink. And that's when we begin to sink is when we look at the world around us and it looks so big and daunting and the problems are so many and the circumstances are so bad. And we look at that and we take our eyes off of him and we quit running our race. Today, I hope that if nothing else, I encourage you, put your eyes back on him and start running the race again. God's not intimidated by your small beginnings. God's not intimidated by the, the, the fact that it looks daunting. God's not intimidated with you having quit. He's just saying today, just like he said to Zechariah, he's saying, let's get it going. Let's do it. Come on, it's time to move. That's what he wants to tell us today is just keep walking and following after him. I just needed some encouragement. I want you to believe that the Bible is true. I want you to believe that God's making all things new. He's transforming them. The kingdom is still growing. God's still transforming. He's doing that in your life. He's doing that in your heart if you're in Christ because the Bible tells us that he is faithful to finish what he started. That when he began a good work in us, he's going to be faithful to complete it. So we just need to take our next steps trusting him. I want you to be able to do that. I want you to understand, look, it may feel like right now you're carrying the cross on your back. It may feel like, right, I don't know what that, that might symbolize for you. I don't know what the difficulty is in your life and maybe in your marriage and your job and your heart and your attitude. I don't know what the difficulty is, but it may feel like you're carrying the cross. But what I will tell you today and what I would encourage you with today is this. Don't forget that there's a resurrection. Don't forget that there's a resurrection. We're going to celebrate it next Sunday. Yeah, Jesus went to the cross and they thought, they thought thought that death had overcome Jesus when in reality Jesus had overcome death and and I want you to see that you may be bearing a lot of burden right now cast your cares on him humble yourself and cast your cares on him and he'll lift you up you got to allow him to do that you got to surrender that to him the last thing I want to tell you is that if we're going to grow, one, we grow by embracing small beginnings. Two, we grow knowing that God's not finished. Three, we grow by looking and focusing on the right prize and by running the right race. The last thing I want to tell you is that we grow by sinking our roots deep into the kingdom. We grow by sinking our roots deep into the kingdom. See, God can't accomplish everything he wants to accomplish in your life if your roots are shallow. If your roots are shallow, the worst thing he could do is bless you with an abundant harvest of fruit in your life because your roots can't handle it. Your roots can't handle it. 
We've got to grow our roots down deep because unless they're deep, unless they're sunk, it can't support the weight of what God wants to do in your life. You probably heard this before, but so many times people's giftings will carry them further than their character can keep them. We don't want that to be the case. We need to sink our roots down deep into the soil. Psalm 92, 12 says this. The righteous will flourish like a palm tree. They will grow like a cedar of Lebanon. This is Psalm 92, 12. And the writer of this Psalm is talking about how when we're in Christ or when we're in God and our roots are growing deep, he says, we're like a palm tree and we'll grow like a cedar of Lebanon. And that seems kind of weird. Like why would he pick a palm tree and why would he pick a cedar tree? Because these particular trees have an incredible root system. The palm tree doesn't have a lot of roots that grow out, but it has a main tap root that grows down and it grows down so deep into the soil that it can grow in adverse conditions. It can grow in circumstances that aren't perfect for it. And it can even survive in the desert when nothing else could survive because of this huge taproot that goes deep down into the soil. The cedar of Lebanon, it has roots that, that, that penetrate the mountainous rocks where it grows. It'll go through the rock, drill, basically drill its way on down below the rock to get to the good soil. And for every 10 feet of the tree that you see above the earth, there's 30 feet of root system below it. So it's rooted deep. What, this, what they're trying to tell us is this, that if our roots are, dug, are deep down into the kingdom, if we dig deep and we're digging deep into Christ in his word, in his church, and in all of these different ways that God gives us to experience him, then he's telling us that even in adverse situations, even in adverse conditions, even in circumstances that aren't perfect, even when things don't seem to be going our way, we still flourish. We still produce fruit for the kingdom. We still bring him glory. We still, we still make it. We don't survive it. We thrive in it because we are rooted deeply into Christ. And he's given us the strength, the energy, the ability to continue to keep walking, to continue to keep going. It says here, and how do we do that? It tells us. It tells us, verse 13, it says, planted in the house of the Lord, they will flourish in the courts of our God. How do we see this happen? How do we grow deep roots? How do we, how do we see this take place in our lives? It's very clear. We get planted in the house of the Lord. In other words, the church, the people of God, we plant ourselves. We let our roots grow deeply. And we do that because when we don't show up just one Sunday out of four, right? Our roots can start to grow deep into the body of believers. We can grow deep. It's when we don't sign up for a connect group or we do sign up for a connect group and never go. Because you need community. You need to be growing. It's when we tip God instead of giving generously. It's, when, it's, it's not when we sign up to serve, serve for three months and then decide our schedule's too busy. That's not planting. That's not where you, how you grow your roots deep. You grow your roots deep when you make a commitment and you say, God, I am here. Nothing drives me crazier than people who have sat here for two, three, four years and they hear the messages and they hear the preaching and oh, I love it and it's good and I like it and it speaks to me. When you speak, it's just like you're talking to me. It's like I'm the only one in the room. And then they, they hear one thing, one minute of one sermon that they don't like and they're like, well, I just don't think I can go there anymore. I just don't think I can raise my kids in that environment. Do you believe what he said? I'm like, you were never here anyway. 
If that's our level of commitment, we're not here anyway. Right? We're here to stick together through thick and thin, through good and bad, through great messages and bad messages. We're here together to stick together. We're the body. We're, we're, the, we're the house of the Lord. We're the place where people come to find hope. Are we offering hope? Are you planted? And this is what it says. It says they will still bear fruit in old age. They will stay fresh and green. For some of you in here, that's really good news, right? That you're going to bear fruit even in old age. It means God's not done with you. If you're on up there, God's not finished. I'm getting close to being on up there. I don't know where the line exactly is on on up there, but I'm getting close to that line, I feel like. But the thing I'll tell you is that it says you'll still produce fruit even in your old age, even in circumstances that aren't perfect, even in, in, in situations that aren't what you thought they ought to be or what you wanted them to be. It says you bear fruit. It says you stay fresh and you stay green. And then the last verse right there, this is my favorite part, says proclaiming the Lord is upright. He is my rock and there is no wickedness in him. Proclaiming it. In other words, worshiping till the end. We're proclaiming the goodness of God all the way to the end. Not, not being deterred, not being discouraged, but proclaiming his goodness all the way until we go to be with him. And then we get to proclaim it for eternity. The thing I'll tell you is if you're a Christian, you're a believer in Christ, the great news is for you that the best is always yet to come. Because here's the thing, I don't know what is around the corner for you. I don't know what challenges are around the corner for you. I don't know what's going to go on around the corner for you. I can't stick my head around the corner and see it that clearly. But this is what I know. If you're in Christ and you're a Christian, even if death was around the corner for us, we still win. We still win. So the best is yet to come. The best is yet to come. And Satan and all the forces of hell can't take that away. It's as sure as you sitting here right now that the best is yet to come. Our eternity with Jesus is before us, not behind us. We've already entered into this relationship with him if we're in Christ that says that we're, we're going to be with him forever. Eternity's already started. It's already going in our lives and in our walk with the Lord. Listen, I've just kind of come to the conclusion that we don't celebrate enough, right? We don't celebrate the goodness of God enough. I'm waiting for the day that somebody just jumps up and starts running around this place. You just bring your running shoes, right? That's how good God is. That's how we, we ought to respond to God. That's how we ought to respond to his word, right? is excited, looking forward to it, receiving it, hungering for it. There's a few people in my life that every time I preach, they call me up or they come by and they'll say, that's the best message I've ever heard you preach. I'm like, that message was terrible. They're like, no, man, it spoke to me. It spoke to me right where I was. And you know what? It's the same people over and over again. And you know what I figured out is they come in hungry. It's not hard to feed them because they're hungry. They want it. They want to get it. And they come in hungry, and God is faithful to feed them each and every single time.
time they come in. Are you hungry for God? Are you hungry for his word? Are you willing to dig down deep and let your roots grow deep? Are you willing to start with small beginnings? Are you willing to, 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 to realize that God's not finished and keep going on the journey? Are you willing to, to go to a place where you fix your eyes on Jesus and you're running after him as hard as you can go? Are you re- ready to do that? Are you ready to sink your roots deep in the kingdom? When Susan and I, we lived in a house uh, that... The house we lived in before the one we're living in now, um, we, we used to work in the yard all the time. And, uh, and it was just something we enjoyed doing. I don't know what happened. Um, we lost that loving feeling or whatever because we don't necessarily do that as much anymore. It might have something to do with three kids that are on a ball field every day of their life. And so, um, but we planted this tree. It was, it was a weeping willow, a weeping willow. And, and we planted this tree and, and we watered this tree and we took care of this tree. We fertilized this tree, but this tree, it never would grow. It, it would grow a little bit, but it wasn't doing what it's supposed to do. It was supposed to be a big tree, a pretty big tree, bigger than a shrub. And this was about the size of it. It was about the size of a shrub. And then one day we were out there and I looked at the tree and I saw a band around the tree. And so I got some scissors and I went and I cut the band off of the tree. Guess what the tree did? It grew. The whole time, I'd been cursing the tree. You stupid tree, why don't you grow? And I was the stupid one. I didn't let it grow the way it was supposed to, right? And for so many of us in our lives, that's where we're at. Is There's something that's holding us back. There's a band around our life that keeps us from, from flourishing. As the Bible says, it keeping us from producing fruit for the Lord keeping us from doing what he's called us to do. There's a band around our life. And today I'm encouraging you not to be discouraged. I'm encouraging you, cut the band off and grow. Cut the band off and grow in the kingdom. I talked with somebody after the first service and they were apologizing because they haven't been more involved and they haven't been, been doing what they felt they needed to do in the kingdom. And I was like, look, that, that's, that's, that's behind. Let's not look back there. Remember, we can't run looking backwards. Let's look ahead to the mission. Let's cut the band off and let's grow so that you can grow the way you were intended to grow and bring the glory to God the way you were intended to bring the glory to God. What's the band in your life? What's hindering you from producing the fruit that God wants to produce? What's hindering you from growing and, and, and doing the things that God's called you to? Here's what I want to do. I want to, I want to pray for you. Today, if you would say this, you would say, there's, there is, there's something in my life that I need God to work on. I, I, I need to surrender it to the Lord. I need to let him do the work. I need to let him cut the band off because I can't do it. Maybe you're discouraged and you're at the end of it saying, I can't do it. And you finally realize it. I don't know. Maybe it's worry or fear. Maybe it's your marriage. Maybe it's with your children. Maybe it's with your job. Maybe it's an attitude of your heart. Whatever it is that he needs to cut the band on, this is what I believe. We serve a God who is a chain breaking God. We serve a God who is a redeeming God. We serve a God who is a reconciling God and he has the power to do what it is that he needs to do in your life. So I'm going to ask you right now, you know that there's something in your life, the band needs to be cut. I'm going to ask you right now, would you stand to your feet? Would you stand to your feet and say, I need 
God to do a work in my life. I want God to work in me. I want God to break the band off of my life. It's okay to clap if you want to clap. Listen, I want God to do something special in my heart today. I'm drawing a line in the sand. Enough's enough. And I'm asking God to transform me, to transform my heart. You just stand to your feet. And in faith, we're going to believe this. Look, that the power of the Holy Spirit is going to do a work in your heart and in your life. Power of the Holy Spirit. Satan's going to try to throw you, throw it back on you. He's going to throw it back on you. But greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world, right? So we are, we, we, the Bible tells us that we are overcomers. That we have overcome by the blood of the Lamb, the word of our testimony. God, God is that good. So let's pray together. God, I thank you for each person who stood to their feet, God. I thank you for the one who, who, who needs to be standing but couldn't. God, I pray that you would, you would be with them, Lord, that you would fill them with the Holy Spirit from the top of their head to the bottom of their feet. God, that you would flood them with the Spirit of God, that they would be overflowing with the presence and the Spirit of God, that, God, you would do an incredible work in them. God, that you would do all you want to do inside of them so that you can do all you want to do through them, God. Would you do a great work in them, Lord? We thank you for it, Jesus. We thank you that you're going to raise up men and women after your heart, that you're going to use the young and the old, that you're going to use the men and the women, that you're going to use us all to grow your kingdom. And God, I thank you that it begins to grow first in us and then in the world around us, God. Let us just be, be people who carry that, who carry that with us. And God, let your kingdom transform everything that it touches. Let it keep growing and growing. Let us keep going and going, God, as you work in our hearts. Lord, we love you. God, we thank you. God, you're good. And we're thankful for it. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. You can have a seat real quick, real quick. John's got something to say, but I got something to say before he, he does. So if you're here today, you don't have a relationship with Christ. You don't have a relationship with God but you want one, you need one. You know that's what is in your heart today. You know it. You know that God is knocking on the door of your heart today. And today needs to be the day of salvation for you. And what I'm asking you is to take a step of faith today and receive him. And I'm gonna ask you this. If you're here and that's where you're at, I'm gonna ask you to just raise your hand, stick your hand up in the air. So that's me today, I need to receive Christ, amen. I need to receive Christ. For the first time today, I need to receive Christ. Who else? Raise your hands, keep them up, keep them up. Raise your hand. Today's the day of salvation for you. Today's the day of salvation. We wanna pray with you. We wanna welcome you into the family of God. We want to help you take your next steps. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Our prayer team gets all excited when that happens. They get something to do, right? They are all excited. So that's awesome. We're very thankful for that.